Welcome to this week's episode of the Integra Podcast, where we discuss everything from wisdom to wellness to woo. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the Integra Podcast, where we talk about all things wisdom, wellness, and woo. Today, I have Dr. Deanna Minnick with me here. Dr. Minnick is a health educator and author with more than 20 years of experience in nutrition, mind-body health, and functional medicine. She holds master's and doctorate degrees in human nutrition and medical science, respectively, and has lectured extensively throughout the world on health topics, teaching patients and health professionals about health. She is a fellow of the American College of Nutrition, a certified nutrition specialist, and a certified functional medicine practitioner. She serves on the board of directors for the American Nutrition Association and is president of the American College of Nutrition. Her passion is bringing forth a colorful, whole self approach to nourishment called Whole Detox and bridging the gaps between science, soul, and art and medicine. Welcome. So glad to have you on the Integra podcast. Thanks, Heather, for having me. What a pleasure to be able to have this conversation with you tonight. Yeah. We heard all about uh, your schooling and education and how you bridge science and spirituality. But you started out as a scientist. How did you get into science and nutrition? When did that love begin? Oh, okay. So nutrition specifically. Well, Mm. I give all kudos to my mom on that one. Okay. So I grew up in the 1970s and my mom became, I would say, you know, at the time she was called a health nut Mm. Mm -hmm. because we couldn't have Wonder Bread. We couldn't cook out of microwaves. Like my mom was definitely in the periphery. Now it's like all the trend Mm -hmm. that people are really waking up to this. But at the time it was like, what do you mean you, you have to go to Girl Scouts and bring your own food and you can't have s'mores and you can't have the Kool-Aid? It's like, no. And that happened when I was about eight or nine. I think it was because my mom was pregnant with my brother at the time. Mm. He's the third kid in line. I was the first. Mm-hmm. And she started to, uh, I would say, wake up to her food and faith almost okay. simultaneously. It's kind of like a body is temple thing. So Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That's that's wonderful. Now I do remember you kind of had some teenage years where you might have rebelled a little bit against that. Oh, a lot. Um, uh-huh. I, I was not very receptive to my mom making these radical changes. All right. You know, I think yeah. if I was younger and you know if I was like three or four, it wouldn't be a big deal because it was inculcated very young. But because I already had a sense of like what sugar was and Wonder Mm -hmm. Bread and all of these uh, (laughs) different food items and cereal, I had a sweet tooth. And then all of a sudden, my mom came to this grinding halt. And during my teen years, you know, I think we kind of take on that rebellious archetype anyway, Mm -hmm. or at least I did big time. And this just fueled that fire. All this food stuff, it was like I, I polarized myself to not just the food message. That's often what I tell when I'm telling my story. But what mm-hmm. most people don't know, and what I'm telling you, because we're going to talk about science and spirituality, is I also rebelled against the faith piece. I felt like those two things were going hand in hand. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like any of them. They're too extreme. And they're infiltrating my life in such a way that I'm being looked at as different. Mm-hmm. As a teenager, I, I formed, I would say, very much disordered eating. 
Mm-hmm. I was suicidal. I, I had a lot of mental, emotional mood type mm-hmm. issues. That's also mm-hmm. something that not a lot of people know, but I had, I was just kind of like swinging like a pendulum in terms of like where I was at. I didn't mm-hmm. have a, a sense of my center mm-hmm. and I felt very ungrounded in the whole process. Things got a lot better though when I went away to college. I would say okay. it's like, I had newfound freedom. I got to study yes. what I wanted to study. It wasn't my mom telling me what I needed to eat and what I needed to believe. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, you mean I can go to college and take a world religions course or I can start taking yoga and I can start oh, yeah. things I wanted to learn about. So I mm-hmm. became a different person when I was in college, I mm-hmm. would say. It was the ultimate freedom for me was having that intellectual, one of your, your words for your podcast is wisdom. And for me, it was like, that was when I started to walk into that path of like bigger knowing and Uh my own inner wisdom, as well as learning about the world, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you really, you started out like as if getting like a bachelor of science, degree. Was that when the nutrition hit or did you wait a while to go into the nutrition field? Yeah, I know that would, that would seem kind of strange, right? That I would mm-hmm. rebel against my mom and then go and study nutrition. <laughs> no, that right. didn't happen as such, but I was always in love with science. Okay. So I was the classic nerd going to the library, getting the stack of books. And it, during mm-hmm. that time when I grew up, it was all of the encyclopedias, right? We didn't mm-hmm. have the internet. So you had to like bring home books that were very heavy. And I would literally have them on my desk and I'd look through those books and look at human anatomy and I was so intrigued. And I think it was mostly because I was having health issues. Mm-hmm. Right? So I wanted to be a doctor. I, I oh. was getting um, a subscription to the Journal of the American Medical Association at 18. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't mm-hmm. even know how to interpret these articles. I just <laughs> medicine and mm-hmm. I was in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And that's what, so that's to answer your question. That's mm-hmm. what I focused on for my bachelor's. Was okay. Med, uh-huh. but with minor in English literature. Oh my goodness. Well, that's, yeah, that's a kind of a beautiful uh, mixture because you got the, the creativity side and that fiction, you know, side uh, lined up with the science side. That's so interesting. Well, and I did it not in the end, I really did like those classes, but mm-hmm. I primarily did it because I had heard at the time that getting into medical school was so competitive, unless you had more of a diverse background where you studied mm. other things that medical schools were looking at people who were not just studying biology, that they were also like having a minor in social studies or mm-hmm. political science. So I thought, well, let's have, a, let's have my major in biology and then my minor in English lit. Oh, yeah. And I didn't anticipate loving English literature like mm-hmm. I did, but because I was already a reader, it was very mm-hmm. easy for me to slip into that. And it mm-hmm. woke something up inside me that it was like, ooh, this is something that uh, I really resonate with. It felt really like soulful, mm-hmm. wholesome. And yes. I need that sense of being grounded, right? Mm-hmm. Just like having all of those parental authoritarian issues and just. But this really softened me, I think, and kind of brought mm-hmm. me back to a sense of wonder. Oh, I love that. Do you have a favorite author? <laughs> well, at the time, I, I really loved um, William Butler Yeats. 
Uh-huh. I like poetry. I like poetry. I liked mm-hmm. Walt Whitman, an American mm-hmm. um, poet, very leafy and mm-hmm. leaves of grass and uh, yes. very flowery in his prose. But then I also liked Emily Dickinson. Mm-hmm. She was like the more radicalized, masculine woman, mm-hmm. which I also, pre- I mean, Walt Whitman was like the feminine man, you know, uh-huh. abusive and huge. And then you had Emily Dickinson, who was... I don't know. There's something attractive about both of them to me. Uh-huh. Different archetypes, really. You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. That's so wonderful. So, you know, you started out in, uh, as a scientist. Um, you moved into nutrition. Um, and now you uh, added in spirituality. When do you think your first spiritual epiphany was? And what age? 19. Okay. I remember it. I went to my first yoga class at a community college. Uh huh. I'd never taken a yoga class before, and I thought, let's just go. It was like a six thirty p.m. class. The room was dark. There was an older woman uh, who was. It wasn't like you would think of a yoga instructor. She was probably in her seventies, and so it kind mm. of surprised me. I walked in, um, and everybody was on these mats. There was incense. There was this, mm. like, I know what it is now. It was like a Nag Champa, but at the yes. time, I didn't know what it was. This smells so good. Like, I was entranced mm. by this whole thing. And there were a lot of, um, you know, the class wasn't about fitness. It was about really, uh, I would say, spiritual. If it was about fitness, it was about spiritual fitness. It was mm-hmm. the, and I would say, the true Indian sense of, really yoking and or having that union with mm-hmm. your your body and your spirit like that oh, was a, yeah. so that that was it it was like oh my gosh i'm i need to like do more with yoga i need to take a world religions class i would say opened me up to spirituality i was also going to college in a place where um, I wasn't where my parents were. I was about three hours from home. Mm. And so on weekends, uh, I had uh, friends that were also interested in the more mystical area. Like I okay. began to gravitate towards astrology, which is like, that, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I have been in love with astrology for so long mm-hmm. because to me, it's that, that Emily Dickinson meets Walt Whitman <laughs> blend of the methodical mathematical Mm -hmm. and like the artistic and creative because you have to somehow translate all of that yes Mm -hmm. mapping right it's Mm -hmm. um it's a form of poetry so I started explore I had an Indian friend I'm still friends with her and we would go she had kind of uh turned me on to certain things like astrology and started talking about reincarnation, mm-hmm. Buddhism, and I was most drawn out of all of it, not so much to Buddhism, but really to the Indian culture. There was mm-hmm. something, I don't know, just really intriguing for me about India. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you actually did get to visit India not too long ago. First time. Uh-huh. So strange. Like, I feel like I've known India my whole life, and mm-hmm. then I finally get to go when I'm 50. It's like, how'd that happen? Mm-hmm. But when I went, it wasn't like I had the gaga, like my mouth is open at everything. It was like I was in India in a different place in my life. Mm-hmm. Like before it would have been, I tend to put people or situations on a pedestal, kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, would I do that? Or, oh, India is so much better than everywhere else. Or, mm-hmm. oh, this person knows so much. And I think I've come into a different sense of realization of like, mm-hmm. you no, know, India is not better than everywhere else. And... <laughs> 
you know, Hinduism is interesting, uh, but it's not, I, I really have this sense of like oneness now. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm even directed into that, but I did find it extremely fascinating, mm-hmm. beautiful and very unique, eccentric ways. Mm-hmm. But and it was very familiar to me. It was like, I didn't really need to go to India at this mm-hmm. point to really know India. It's like, I know this place. I know it really well. Maybe because I've studied and read a lot of books on it or yeah. I've just known a lot of people who are who um are Indian, but it was like, Oh yeah, I know India. Oh yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> so so astrology and um the Indian culture and I know that you've gone and experienced many esoteric kind of spiritual practices that have gone back thousands of years. I mean astrology is is one of those. Can you share some of your um maybe your favorite aspects of your experiences yeah okay i'll give you a sampling some of these things i did for healing like at the physical Mm. level so when i was 19 i was kind of window shopping like the yoga class opened me up and i was like okay i need to start exploring other things like Mm -hmm. i went window shopping for acupuncture and i had my first acupuncture session at that time i didn't really have any like chronic health complaints Mm -hmm. and in fact I remember the acupuncturist saying I haven't had people just come and want to try acupuncture (laughs) and I'm like Uh I'm just wanting to experience so I did that Mm -hmm. I've done hypnotherapy um I've done all I've had a lot of energy work um Mm -hmm. done to me I've been to a number of psychics and intuitives uh enough to have a feeling of like you know is this real you know I Mm. when I come into those situations now I realize that so many of these things are divining rods for our own intuition yes so it's never that I'm listening to somebody as gospel it's like how does what they say bring up something in me to the surface Mm -hmm. and spark it so it's never like I'm thinking like you know they're they're precognitive or they're telling me something about my future. I, I don't see it that way anymore. I used mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. I really see it as like a blend. My belief system is is a little bit different in that way mm-hmm. compared to what it has been. Mm-hmm. So what else have I done? Um, I'm going to think of something really radical. It's almost like, what have I not done? Um, That's right. Yeah. I've done a lot of visualization uh, therapies. Did you do shamanism? I feel like oh, you yeah, yeah. talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I studied with a woman in Seattle. Her name is Shar Sendust. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that was very profound. I really, really love nature-based practices mm-hmm. and traditions. So shamanism, um, Shar Sendus is uh, Lakota. And mm. I made my own drum. I went to Mexico as part of a... Um, a journey to the Yucatan, you know, mm-hmm. we, we did, so like I, I did that for like a solid two years. It was a really powerful oh, wow. experience. Uh-huh. Um, I've been to uh, Jungian analysts. I've been to uh, dream therapists. I've mm-hmm. been to past life regressionists. I've been to chakra healers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. much of my life is all about the chakras. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Like, art therapy oh one really cool therapy i did some years Mm -hmm. ago was movement therapy so i started making a lot of art and right one and i didn't want like a traditional therapist where you just go and talk to somebody right so Mm -hmm. i went to a woman who did movement therapy where i would move my body and then she would ask me questions and it was more kinesthetic Mm -hmm. another woman where i brought my paintings and then she'd have me talk with my paintings as a part of myself Uh uh-huh Oh, that's cool. Everything has consciousness, so. Right. 
Yeah, a lot of amazing people that I've met along the way. I think one of the the times of my life when I was really struggling was in my my late twenties. I started going to healers everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. I lived in Minneapolis and there was a place called Pathways and Pathways. I've never seen a place like this anywhere of all of my travels. And I've even asked around if there is, but Pathways is a center where they offer free healing services for many different healers. And they just do it as part of like just giving to the community. Oh, wow. You'd have to Mm -hmm. sign up for a session and they had all kinds of people. They had people that gave massage. They had... Uh, energy healers. I remember going to somebody who was blind and she would like, like vocalize and almost, um, not scream, but you know, she was bringing out things. She couldn't see you. She could only feel you. Mm. And that was, I I still remember that was, that left a a strong impression on me. And then Mm -hmm. of course I got into things like gems. You and I went to a Mm. gem store. (laughs) Yes. You know about that. And, uh, gemstones. I love that kind of stuff. Um, cards so Mm -hmm. i don't think that there's really anything i'm really lately i'm very intrigued with this i haven't told you this but i'm Mm. really into um near-death experiences yes yes i've been uh, listening to some books on that oh wow yeah yeah and i can't remember the name of the one that i just finished on audible you know and uh yeah it's fascinating it is fascinating and i grew up with um my grandfather owned a funeral home my father, even though his primary profession was as a police officer, mm-hmm. he came from a larger family where they had to help my grandfather with the funeral home. So my father learned to, he went to school for embalming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you think about it now, like, wow, how toxic and how, yeah. But to me, it wasn't like, I found it so like fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, I've actually seen cremations. I have seen my dad like, working on um, different bodies, like in terms of embalming them. Mm-hmm. And I think from a very young age, I had this thing about death. Like death was a part of life for me. Like mm-hmm. I was running around in my grandfather's funeral home, mm-hmm. chasing my sister. In fact, even more than birth, I'm fascinated with death. And I think that mm-hmm. transitioning from he- where we are now, Mm-hmm. To the next realm that is more intriguing to me more than anything in fact mm-hmm. i told my dad recently i said dad i'm thinking i need to go and volunteer at a hospice and like be around people it's such a oh. sacred moment mm-hmm. that transition and to be in the company of people who can hold that space with you yes I don't know. I feel something about that. There's something mm-hmm. in that for me as it relates to death and the dying process mm-hmm yeah, that's a huge, it's a huge um, experience, spiritual experience, you know, and it can look different for everyone. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I was there with my mom. So, you know, when she was in palliative care, and it was, it really was this beautiful experience for me, I anointed her with oils, I put crystals, you know, I just really kind of tried to help in any way that I could to make it easier for her ease her her transition and it was it was a really kind of a beautiful time just sitting with her i i agree it's 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 really interesting it's so interesting i think that would be wonderful to go help with the hospice at a hospice center so our conversation is so cool and i'm so excited so you now you've done all these wonderful things you've uh experienced so many different types of spiritual events and experiences and you are you present it 
in so many ways. You bridge science and spirituality in your practice and um, in what you do and put out for people. Um, so how do you bridge that gap? And when did that really kind of start for you? Um, I would say it started, I'll, I'll work backwards. I think mm-hmm. it started in my late 20s. After I had finished, I finished my PhD. So I went all the way, like really literally from age five until I was 28 when I finished school. Mm, So like I was going all that time. And especially from like 18 to 28, Mm -hmm. that was like the heavier science time because I went from bachelor's into three years of master's into four years of PhD. So it was all science. Whoa. I would say, um, spirituality was always there Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what to call it or the context or Mm -hmm. really to codify it but I realized at the end of my 20s when I was going through a lot of trying times that Mm -hmm. it's like there have been different times within my life that it's very actually classic for what you were saying about something within the human design where you have like three levels like where you have like oh yes Uh I'm that thing whatever Uh that is what is that again what is the six line where you're the triphasic yeah Uh uh-huh yeah it speaks to me because my life gets easier as i get older Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like thank goodness Um, yes (laughs) so i would say i woke up to spirituality uh during these trying times of my life and i am Mm -hmm. actually really grateful for those times because i think if yes my life didn't have any kind of trauma You know, you just don't wake up to certain things. You don't call out. You don't look at the bigger picture. You don't look at things with that view of like, why did this happen? And yeah. And so how do I manage the two? Like, how do I start it to bring? So Mm -hmm. as a scientist, I was starting to realize that science was really limited. Mm -hmm. Why do scientists think that like science is the ultimate? Like every time I was with the scientist, I was like, I'm one of you, but I'm not because Mm. I could see that there science is a method. Science is a skill set. It's a way mm-hmm. to think about something. To me, it was not like God. It was not like the ultimate path and the only path. Right. I felt like, no, it's it's really good for like the, the left thinking brain to get logical and to like get down to the root cause and to do detective work and to mm-hmm. test things. And I love it. I love experimentation. No problem. Mm-hmm. But I was missing... Well, I, I noticed that many classic scientists were very dismissive of things that we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how could they be dismissive about things just because they haven't been tested in a double-blind placebo-controlled study? Mm-hmm. How could there not be room for exploration into these things? And especially mm-hmm. when they've been honored and revered by various traditions, like even in India, right? Like. Mm-hmm. The rishis and the meditators and having longevity. And I'm thinking, how could science take such a narrow view on these things? Mm-hmm. So then I already had my science foundation. I felt pretty set with that. And I didn't feel like I was letting that go. But it, mm-hmm. it enabled me to jump from that into looking at spirituality with more more method eyes, more pattern recognition or more mm-hmm. like experimentation and research. And then I was thinking they're like brother and sister, mm-hmm. you know, science is a little brother and spirituality is the big sister because, you know, science is new. Science right. is not exactly, old, you know, uh-huh. and that, that wisdom that spirituality has. So, um, mm-hmm. but I do think that putting them together makes for a wonderful combination in this day and age 
because mm-hmm. some people will only listen to numbers and studies. Right. And then other people will only listen to spirituality. How do we create the convergence during this time of, yes, you know, some would say that this is the age of Aquarius. All this means to me, like where we're at right now is we're in the age of integration. We're in the yes. age of polarity and trying to find unity. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the ways that we can, there are many different polarized areas that we could really look at, but mine, I would say is science which is considered more of a masculine thinking linear that's mm-hmm. just symbolic language. Right. And the spirituality, the feminine, the artistic, the creative, the non-measurable, the abstract. Mm-hmm. So to me, they need each other. They're part of one whole. Mm-hmm. And I now see that there's no separation. And so the way that I connect those two is through mm-hmm. color, color, creativity, and, you know, there are times that I can still get pretty sciencey, and then mm-hmm. there are times that I can be pretty woo. Yes. So it's like, yeah. why not? You know, I, uh-huh. I can be anything along that spectrum that I want to be. Yes. Yeah. And I remember um, doing some CEUs for my food and spirit practitioner, and I was like, listening to some of your lectures and just blown away because I knew you from the really more of the food and woo side. Um, rather than the um, science side. And it was, I was so blown away by those lectures and um, just the depth of information and from a scientific standpoint, but then seeing how you did bridge that uh, gap over into the colorful foods, into the chakra system. Um, So it's, it's, just this beautiful conglomeration. I don't know the, a better word for it. Um, but so you did that and was Chakra Foods your first book that yeah. you, okay. Yeah. 2008 Chakra Foods. And, um, you know, it was what it was at the time I needed to birth it. It wasn't in the format I wanted. And I remember mm-hmm. talking with a mentor of mine who mentioned that, you know, I might be a little bit too, you know, there's the bleeding edge and then there's the leading edge. And it's mm. like, are you doing the bleeding edge where this is a little bit too ripe for, you know, you're too early for prime time. Mm. On that. But actually it didn't backfire at all. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I republished chakra foods as the rainbow diet later. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yes. I took out what I decided to do because I realized like, okay, how do I get to the, the greater whole of mm-hmm. people? Like mm-hmm. my mom who is more um, Christian in her views and has a certain paradigm that she works within doesn't entertain any type of discussion about chakras, right? So mm. okay. that's like a foreign concept. She couldn't go there, even though I even dedicated the book to her. <laughs> okay, so we have conversations, but I'm like, mom, the chakras are just like symbolic centers of great activity. And mm-hmm. look at them with spiritual um, or more symbolic eyes, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the adrenal glands. I'm like, mom, you know what they, those are and think of what they do. And Think mm-hmm. of the pancreas. And so to me, chakras in my mind in the 21st century are psycho, neuro, endocrine, immune places of the body of alignment. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a master. I, I think that this is the interface, Heather, of like where the mind meets the body, right? Because mm-hmm. are very psycho-spiritual centers. Like the yes. pituitary gland is such a major control center and it was also mm-hmm. the center on which rishis and other masters would meditate on right you mm-hmm. know you take your eyes and you look up at your forehead 
up at that third eye area. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I see them, um, these, these centers in the body as places where there is a lot of coordinated activity and communication yes. and even integration. Like one begets all of them. And oh, definitely. Say, yeah, but all of the organs work together. They do. But these are very potent centers because they're releasing hormones. Mm-hmm. Hormones are, as we all know, even in picogram amounts, they could change our behavior. They could change who we are. They could change yeah. our gender. Like they could change our eating um, patterns. They could change mm-hmm. our can change so much about us. They can make us gain or lose weight. Hormones to me are a really big deal. And they interface with neurotransmitters and a lot of these other signaling agents. And much of mm-hmm. that is orchestrated through the psychoneuroendocrine interface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so true. And, you know, when that is out of alignment, um, that's when we see our issues. So there is need for that holistic look at it from, from the food, from the spirit, from the science, you know, looking at the testing and seeing what's going on, but also bridging over to those um more esoteric and spiritual places of mindfulness and um, mindful eating, intuitive eating, all of those things are important um, components of a yeah. holistic. And they're all measurable. Like yes. Take on, on either side, if you want to like just split them down the middle and say, okay, if we look at these physically, how do we assess? Well, we can assess through stress response, cortisol, um, estrogen levels, progesterone, mm-hmm. testosterone, DHEA, thyroid hormone. I mean, you name it, we can stack them all up. And then on the other side, if we do see that there is an imbalance somewhere, we might ask certain questions like, mm-hmm. okay, how are you living your life? Um, mm-hmm. meaning and purpose. Like that's where we start to get into the more of the psycho spiritual terrain. Mm-hmm. And what is spirituality? The way I define it, some people think I, uh, see spirituality as religion and it's not the way that I define it for myself is a sense of connection. Yes. It's interconnection. It's like the woven web, all is one um, aspect in functional mm-hmm. medicine it's talked about is meaning and purpose. Oh, I love that. Uh-huh. Yes. Which if you think about it, it's like many people go through their lives thinking, why am I here? Mm-hmm. But once you know, like your, your life's purpose, it's like everything kind of falls into a uh-huh. life. Like then you don't question what you're doing day in, day out. You don't have the right. same level of stress. Right. So there's something to that. Yeah, yeah. And and I we talked a little bit about this the other night. Um, but you know, if you aren't living in purpose, you know, and you're still eating a pristine diet and exercising and not in that purpose and living that way, that can affect your health in so many ways. So finding meaning and purpose, as you said, in functional medicine is you know, is just another little spoke in that wheel. And oh, there yeah. are studies on it. Mm, mm-hmm. There are actually studies showing that people who have a better sense of meaning and purpose, mm-hmm. uh, I'd have to look at the exact markers, the biomarkers and such, but mm-hmm. in general, they have better health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that for myself, like when yes. I feel kind of aimless, like many of us think like, oh, I just wish I didn't have this job or this work or had to get up every day. But you know what? Like there's a sense not everybody's like this, mm-hmm. but I have a sense, and it's also in my human design chart, like mm-hmm. sort of came out, like the right, ing- I don't f- forget the title, but it was like oh, your incarnation cross. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And for me, it's all about service. So it's like, if I'm not serving, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, I go into a slump. It's like, mm-hmm. I am here to serve. Like I am here to do the work. And if I'm just like, not to say that self-care isn't important for me, right. because it is, I know exactly when I'm needing it and when things become a little too frenetic, like where I'm not serving myself to get mm-hmm. else, right? you know, but, um, we all have a different call to, yeah, what, what really gives us that sense of like why we are here. Mm-hmm. And when we move away from that, we can get depressed. We can feel like listless, bored. Mm-hmm. We can feel like, like we're disconnected and fragmented. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, this kind of brings up a story for me. Um, and you may not even remember this, but um, um, when we, so we were at the NTA conference. I can't even remember the year, um, a few years ago. And um, I was working the food and spirit uh, booth with you. And you commented on how intuitive I was. I, no one had recognized that in me. And it had been such a latent thing for me. Like when I was a kid, um, any intuitive hits that I would get and I would say that it would be, it would be pushed away. Oh no, that's not right. And so, you know, I thought I, it's, it's so cool that, you know, you are one of the sparks of my purpose, you know, and um, it's really interesting uh, that, that, that piece kind of came in and then, you know, looking at my human design now, uh, knowing that intuition is where I, uh, began. It's so interesting. You have that capacity for recognizing that and bringing out those, those beautiful qualities in people. I see you doing that in, uh, the nourish your whole self community. Um, I see you do that with, um, the practitioners, um, has this always been a gift of yours, um, where, or were you seen and then you paid it forward? Is there like a mentor who you felt really seen by? Oh yeah. I give credit to mentors, mothers, fathers, mm-hmm. children. Um, I've had some pretty awesome mentors. Mm-hmm. I, I've been very blessed and I would say, I'll just give one, uh, you know, Jeff Bland is the one I often <laughs> mentioned and, Jeff Bland is the father of functional medicine, and most people mm-hmm. revere him for, oh, wow, you know, he came up with functional medicine. Well, Jeff is a lot more than functional medicine. Jeff is, um, he has a high IQ, and he has a high EQ, mm-hmm. and I had the great gift of traveling with him, and what I noticed is that he saw the good in people. Mm-hmm. He, he was not a person that would go down a negative slump on something and you know, just start getting all critical. Like Jeff could always pull out that lining of gold or, um, and I noticed that and he did it repeatedly. And so many Mm. people come up to him and thank Jeff for seeing the light in them Mm -hmm. and how it changed their path. Like they go to medical school or they went Uh to Catholic medical school or they went to, you know, become a healer of some sort. And they were like, I got to observe this. Like just, and so Uh then I was like, this was a great way for the universe to show me a well, a role model mm-hmm. where it was like, this is doing good. This is like mm-hmm. serving people in the mm-hmm. highest way. And mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm uh, nearly, <laughs> I don't do it like Jeff. Jeff has his own way, but I've remembered that in some way, but other people mm-hmm. have also inspired me. My husband inspires me. My mm-hmm. mom inspired me, even though, you know, having that rebellion 
was also formative for me. Oh, yeah. Barb Schultz, somebody who trained me, was inspired. My shamanic teacher, Shara uh, Sendes, was inspiring. There were a ton of people. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad to even just name some of them without really giving <laughs> honor to her image. But there are a bunch of people who have been so incredibly influential on my path. And I'm so grateful. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you, you asked that question, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure there are so many people out there who have influenced you. And yeah, Dr. Bland, you know, just watching him, his energy, even on just his like Facebook lives where he's just in these moments of contemplation are just beautiful, you know, and I just, his energy is just lovely. I just, so I'm going to kind of switch gears real quick, just a little bit. We've talked a lot about um, science and spirituality um, and, you know, really kind of pulling in that nutritional piece and color. Let's talk about some fun things. So, what is your favorite breakfast? I know okay. we shifted, but breakfast, um, it's some kind of protein, mm-hmm. and I vary up my protein. Some veggie, mm-hmm. um, sauerkraut, mm-hmm. microgreens, piece of chocolate, a cup of coffee. That would be, a, you know, I, I kind of rotate those different mm-hmm. elements, but um, yeah, like it's always I, so colorful. It is, it just, and I, I don't do that, like, I'm not saying that just because I'm all about the rainbow, but mm-hmm. I really, breakfast, now, if you ask me about dinner, I would say something, like, very different, but my mm-hmm. breakfast is, like, the gold star. It's, mm-hmm. like, the meal I love the most. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm ravenous at breakfast. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not the ravenous for dinner. Like, so I really, like, take time to put together a really good quality breakfast mm-hmm. and it's like that's my time and I spend like a good hour and I sit sometimes I'll pull a card um mm. my husband eats with me the only mm-hmm. thing he wants for breakfast is fish like if I've cooked halibut or something he's like oh I can't do that for breakfast I'm like why <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um in fact I'm gonna have halibut tomorrow I just got some fresh line caught halibut <sighs> uh, locally I, I order from a CSA um uh-huh. We get the shipment on Wednesday. But anyway, that, that would be my breakfast is like mm-hmm. on a blue plate. I've got a sampling of all these different things, mm-hmm. like, a palette, like a painting. Yes. And into it. Well, yeah. And you really put creativity into that dish. And uh, it's beautiful. It's just as beautiful as your painting. So it's, it's, it's really nice to see. And it's not what we've been told is the typical breakfast that we're supposed to, you know, that has been served to us you know in a bowl like cereal you know i don't do that is one thing i don't do for breakfast Mm -hmm. like i don't do a lot of carby kind Mm -hmm. of grains like that doesn't work i found that that does not work for my Mm -hmm. body i have to like do a lot of front loading of like protein fat Mm -hmm. a lot of plants so like this morning i had tofu i had cute Mm -hmm. tofu I had a whole thing of steamed watercress because mm. I had a big batch of that from a mm-hmm. local um, supplier of watercress. So steamed the watercress down. I had kraut, mm-hmm. um, local kraut, turmeric kraut it was. And then mm-hmm. I had, um, oh, avocado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it usually looks like that, like mm-hmm. some kind of combination of those things. Usually sometimes I'm having like potatoes or sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my progesterone got really high because... I've been eating a lot of sweet potatoes. Like oh. I, I, I recently had my hormone levels tested. Uh-huh. It's like it's high in progesterone and it's high in testosterone and it's kind of low on estrogen. So it's uh-huh. kind of weird. I was like, 
I did not get high on progesterone. I'm a perimenopausal woman. Uh-huh. I think it has something to do with, um, you know, the science would suggest that, you know, there's something about sweet potatoes or yams or, mm-hmm. you know, with modifying potentially. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, I'm really drawn to those foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it is. And it's beautiful because you'll have different colors of sweet potatoes also, I've noticed. I, I love the purple. They're so gorgeous. As well as, you know, just the greens on the plate. It just is lovely. And it sounds like it's kind of a spiritual practice for you to put together your that in the morning and take that time and the luxury of time and, and drawing a card. Um, do you add any other spiritual practice to it in the morning? I like that you see that as a spiritual practice. Um, it's oh, very intentional. Yeah, it's just it is very intentional. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, in the winter months, so it's darker now. So mm-hmm. we're in December now. And one of the things I do now that would be maybe considered a spiritual practice is I light some sage. Mm-hmm. So when I go downstairs or I'm ready to start making breakfast, I light the sage i don't even do it like thinking oh i need to clear the space i just mm-hmm. do it and it's mm-hmm. like right there by my stove top so i just oh, yeah when i put the um the cooktop on i just light the sage real quick and i put it in the um in the shell and mm-hmm. i just kind of like infuse the space mm-hmm. oh i do have one other thing and i'll, I'll tell you this i do have a, an energy device that i um run while i'm i run it on me while i'm making breakfast <laughs> oh cool Yes, just to see like what is coming up, what's out of balance. And then while I'm eating, I actually run a corrective program. <gasps> to, um, see, maybe that's why I feel so good in the morning, too. It's like mm-hmm. I'm doing multiple things that are uh-huh. like, intentional. Yeah. Oh, wow, I, I don't think that. I ever told anybody all these things, Heather. You really <laughs> keep a lot out of me in this interview. <laughs> yeah, we're having fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so I always like to have my guests share three to five tips um, about kind of what they would uh, say are their top tips for uh, spiritual and physical health. Do you have a couple, maybe three that you could list? Spend time in nature every day. Mm. Number Mm -hmm. one, Angelus Arian, who wrote The Fourfold Way, would say to spend one hour outside every day. Oh, I don't yeah. do an hour, but I do, I live in the woods. And so I do get opportunities to go outside. So spend mm-hmm. some time in nature every day is number mm-hmm. one, for sure. Mm-hmm. Take time to connect with you, with your body. So one of the things, I didn't mention this, but one of the things mm-hmm. that I do when I wake up is I go and sit in the dark because it is pretty dark in the mornings here anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't turn any lights on, but I go and sit in a chair and I just kind of collect myself. Like I... My eyes are closed. It's dark anyway, but I just kind of like sit there. The cats are with roaming around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, I kind of collect myself and I get like mentally ready for the day because I don't always just feel like jumping out of bed and like rushing into anything. I need a transition mm-hmm. of like bring all the parts in, in shamanism. It's all about like, you know, we can get fragmented. So, mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes like soul retrievals are bringing in fragments from where there's been trauma, et cetera. So this is a little type of like where I'm collecting myself mm-hmm. from time, from my bedtime, bringing myself into the, the day, to the young, the waking day. Mm-hmm. So I do do that. And I think it might be important because I think I, I just can't understand how people wake up with an alarm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. I, I think even if you have to wake up with an alarm, um, to have some kind of spiritual, you know, a silent time of transition. Mm -hmm. We talked about death and the transition from this kind of life. Mm -hmm. But I do think we need those little bursts of kind of like from nighttime into daytime or even from mm -hmm. daytime into nighttime. If some people feel like they need that more, I need it more when I'm waking up mm -hmm. so to figure out how you can get some transition still time to pull all pieces of yourself together. Mm -hmm. And then number three, what's coming to me intuitively um, mm -hmm. is to have fun to like, again, like make time for fun. Like I'm not mm -hmm. so good at that one. Like, that is the one I think is very spiritual. And even if I think of last week when I was, my seven-year-old niece was visiting and when I get into that childlike space, it's like, mm -hmm. that is so spiritual. It is mm -hmm. so in the moment. It is so connected. It is like, you say what you feel it, like, and it's fun. It's like, you're really in a, yeah, a sense of who we are that is more innocent, inspired and connected. So having some fun in mm -hmm. whatever way, painting, you know, I'm just about to sign up for a dance class. Oh, fun. So you were talking about the sacrum and uh -huh. uh, I had some issues with my sacrum. And then I'm like, and I had done um, belly dance, Middle Eastern dance mm. years, and years ago. And I was like, you know, maybe I need to revisit that. I need to start moving. So that that's going to be my fun. I already found a class I'm going to sign up for. I'm going to just start engaging in that again as my fun time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's oh, not the gym where you like have to do reps and you have right. to, it's like free and flowing and it's moving muscles in a way that mm -hmm. is more fluid rather than like repetitive, which I don't feel like I need right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause connecting with fun is so important. It is. I'd love seeing the photos of you and your niece um, when yeah. you spend time with her. Cause uh, she's just, she is a sweet, sweet little gem. I can tell. And I can tell that you probably, it, it's probably just this nice, yeah, where you get to let go and, um, and enjoy that. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love those three tips. So getting out in nature, taking time in the morning and, um, and then having some fun. You give so much back to the, our community and really do that, um, on social media. How can people reach out to you um, or follow you on social media? What are your handles? I, I just keep it easy to my name. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, my website is deannaminick.com, D-E-A-N-N-A-M-I-N-I-C-H.com. And then on the site, you can link to all of my social media. Okay. So I'm most active. I've been very negligent on Instagram. It's hard. It's hard to mm -hmm. play in multiple sandboxes. Mm -hmm. So I just follow where my energy just feels. And I would say I give the most of my energy to a commute, a group mm -hmm. called Nourish Your Whole Self. Mm -hmm. That's why I do much more engagement. And my sciencey posts are on my Deanna Minnick PhD Facebook page. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit different. And then my Instagram, I would say it's a fusion of really the science and spirituality because I mm -hmm. try to bring artistic images as well as nutrition information so yeah it's my name that way yeah. join the community yeah and do the nourish your whole self community is such a lovely group of people and they share so many wonderful um, things and right now we're in the middle of a little seven-day reset after the holidays so and it's just it's a 
it's a combination of food and contemplation. And uh, I love that uh, you make that available. So thank you so much for being here today. I have had such a wonderful time speaking with you. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for the invite. And I, again, I feel like, wow, I've told you things. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I've told other podcasters. So, but it's you. Mm-hmm. You and I have a special relationship. Yes. Uh, you know, we've known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been great being connected to you and seeing yeah. your thought unfold as it has. And so, oh, thank I you. Have this conversation with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's all from the Integra podcast today, where we talk about all things wisdom, wellness, and woo. Stay tuned. Today's podcast is brought to you by Integra Holistic Wellness, home of the Integra Wellness Method. At Integra Holistic Wellness, we recognize that you are made up of four integral parts, body, mind, spirit, and soul purpose. When you work with an Integra Holistic Wellness Mentor, you'll be guided how to integrate these four parts of your being through nutrition and movement, mindfulness and emotional release, connection to others and your higher self and your soul's true purpose. To find out more and connect with Heather, contact her at support at IntegraHolisticWellness.com. That's support at IntegraHolisticWellness.com. You can also catch her on Instagram and Facebook at Integra Holistic Wellness. That's I-N-T-E-G-R-A Holistic Wellness.